tell you what they've achieved. They've achieved something absolutely rotten. And uh, Kieran McGinley as a player was, you know, a, a phenomenal player, and he didn't cry and he didn't whinge, you know. Our mission was to show that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. But I'll tell you what, you can forget about Sean Kavanagh as far as he's a man. Remember that tribe in, in, in Iraq, the Shiite tribe? Well, we've watched Shiite football. People think I'm a bit of a, a lunatic, loose cannon, whatever you'd like to uh, say. Shame us! Come on! Move! Move! Welcome to the GA Scores podcast. My name is Pierce Corkin. Uh, for your listening pleasure, I brought along Carol Kane from the IQ. And the Hello, everybody. <laughs> championship footballer in the game, Ryan McCluskey. Welcome, fellas. Hello, everyone. How are we doing? Right. New year, brand new year, brand new podcast, brand new everything. What did we think of the weekend's action that's gone by? Is this, uh, should we shut up shop after Dublin winning the O'Byrne Cup with their third <laughs> Naturally, started off just back from Jamaica, pulled off a seven point win, no problem. What do we think, fellas? I'll let you start with that, Cahar. Are you going to give me the, the, the <laughs> Irish news spin from that? I, uh, I, I'll not lie. I watched it, uh, I watched it from the, the comfort of the sofa here um, yesterday. Uh, the brother's wedding on Saturday. And uh, I, I lay and watched all from, from the TV on Sunday. But I, Dublin are just sort of different gravy um, at the moment, as we would say up here. Um, Cavan... Kevin put it up to them well, you know, they started well and I thought the first 15 minutes I thought, God, Shawnee Johnson's having a great day of it, but um, but the longer it went on, you just, I, I sort of foresaw maybe the problems that Kevin are just going to have through the league and through maybe trying to stay in Division 1 um, they do they, they, they must McKernan, they must give me, they must a wee bit of physical presence and, and ball winning and as the game went on, they just started to give the ball away more and more and, and struggle to make it stick and and I suppose they, they made it quite comfortable for Dublin in the end. Um, just couldn't cause them enough problems in the second half. Um, I, I don't know if I'll write the All Ireland off yet. Um, people, people keep talking. People keep talking about the, the the massive gap. But you you only have to look at the semi final and the final last year. And, and I mean, and and that's discounting Tyrone and and Mayo because I would have Tyrone on the same sort of plane to the other three. I think it's a four horse race and. And this thing of, of it being a foregone conclusion that Dublin are going to are, are going to win three in a row, I I just don't see it. What about you, Ryan? <laughs> what do you think? But, um, to, to be honest, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to to watch the the game yesterday, and again it was it was again a chance of of chatting some of my uh, colleagues uh, throughout today, I suppose, uh, when we were back doing doing a bit, and then yesterday. But um, I suppose per- personally. Um, Look! Look at no. No one can deny what what they've achieved so far. And um, when you look at that, I suppose that O'Brien, O'Brien sorry, Cup uh, victory, and, and when you look at, at the strength and depth they have, uh, it, does it does it send shockwaves from from a playing perspective? You, you know, through the through the through the kind of the the start of the year more than anything else. Um, Look at it. I don't know. You know. You know the McKenna Cup, just like the the O'Byrne Cup as well. It's it's used for 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 different kind of reasons for for sides as well. You, you know ourselves. Obviously, we we went into the McKenna Cup and and tried to target it and 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 try and really push on and and try and get that silverware that a kind of elusive silverware that has evaded us. But um, 
you know, sides do use it. I know from doing a bit of work in Meath myself that, that the Meath side, for example, had been rotated, um, you know, week upon week. I think they might have had three sides, you know, you know that, that were rotated throughout the weeks as well when, mm. when when they were trying to kind of find out what, what their kind of starting side was for the league. So it, it's it's kind of, you know, it's it's hard to call. Um, I probably would agree with, with Cahar in terms of, you know, there are, there are a lot of sides that are, are there or thereabouts. Um, and again, look at it, I suppose it will probably come down to the, the player's desire. You know, when it comes to that latter stages, I'd imagine that they will be there thereabouts again. But um, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I think a few sides are, are again there thereabouts, and I'm hoping, I suppose, uh, ourselves will be one of them at, at the latter end of the year as well. But, but it's, I just want to pick up on that point yeah, you were saying about the McKenna Cup and the, my first point in about the uh, the O'Byrne Cup, but like as a player and as someone who's involved in the squad at the moment or whatever and talking yeah. to fellas, do players take any notice of who wins, who goes well? Like for instance, for example, if the O'Byrne or with the Dr. McKenna Cup, if Antrim went out and beat everyone before before them, would some would the players in Fermanagh be thinking, Okay, maybe Antrim are about to uh, up to something this year? Or is it a case of it is what it is as a tournament. Uh, I, I, again, I, I suppose it's let's let's not beat around the bush. You know, every every team will will be doing. You know, having having maybe another side watched, or will have possibly some kind of video uh, captured from from a, a game that they want to analyse and maybe look at some things from the opposing side. So you, you don't really know. You wouldn't really get carried away on the opposition, but. Um, look at you know again as as I said. Look at for for myself, I I wouldn't have played too many uh, mechanic cups you, you know throughout the the last number of years, and it was probably one of the most important things for my own kind of a uh, preparation. Um, and and to see where I was at in terms of you know was I kind of able to get back and and get back at that level so you know players I suppose viewed in, in different ways as well we we needed to rest a few players that that had come off the back of a, a number of long kind of club seasons as well but it's it's not but obviously obviously look at when 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 something um, as as I suppose mad as as what happened um, in the Burn Cup and you had practically that that Dublin third string done out and and winning it you know. You know, the, the, I suppose the media jump on it, um, and it's hard, kind of, not not to hear about it and, and not to kind of take it in whenever it is kind of catapulted around social media, social media, and, and obviously all the, the kind of major newspapers picked up on it as well. You know. Well, what about you, Carl? What, like, you know, in the media, someone who's working as a journalist, what what do you think is the general feeling at the moment about these tournaments? What can we read into them? Uh, I suppose a, a good example from from last year is I suppose the Derry Throne um, rivalry that sort of was was at its peak in January and by by May the the chasm had sort of reappeared um, between the two. I mean Derry really should have won the McKenna Cup um, three points up in injury time and and got taken the extra time and then yeah. and then lost it there. Came to their championship meeting in May. I think it was ten points on it up in up in Celtic Park and. There's only so much in terms of, I suppose, in terms of what's going to occur at the business end um, that you can read uh, probably not an awful lot. And you could go through most counties and, and look at their pre-season sides and 
as Ryan says, you know, some will treat it more seriously than others. But by and large, you'll you'll never really see more than about eight or nine of a of a championship starting side, um, starting really for any county um, in January between uh, boys being rested, new boys being tried. Um, I suppose for Dublin, the big, the, the real big success is is uh, Niall Scully, um, who, who sort of maybe wouldn't have been on the radar. Um, or, or too close to it until three weeks ago. Um, I, I actually, he, he really caught the eye for me yesterday. Um, playing, uh, I know he had caught the eye through the Auburn Cup, and yesterday was my first time seeing him. And and it's, I mean, they talk, they, people sort of, a lot of people sort of write off modern footballers, and they just, they, they can only run and hand pass. And and this lad was, I see, making his league debut, and. And he was strolling with one foot and kicking across field pass with the other, and I kick. I think he kicked scores off both feet, if if I remember right. And you know, I just thought that uh, maybe maybe that's where the where the difference will be come the end of it. Um, if if Tyrone lost a Tiernan McCann or or a Matty Donnelly or somebody, um, midway through the season, could they replace them with the kind of quality that the Dublin have brought in in, in Scully and and brought him into. You know, a half back line where you have Jack McCaffrey coming back. You John Small was one of their better players last year. You have Keen Sullivan and James McCarthy. You know, how do you get, Ryan? How the hell do you get into that half back line? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how do you get into it? It's it's not bad. It's not bad, right? Um, it's, it's just that. Sorry, Sorry go on, Ryan. Sorry, go on, Ryan. No, 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 no. Go on ahead. Go on ahead. Wait, well, I suppose yesterday was the first of the first day of the National League, as we know, and. Yeah, Dublin. They brought out they brought out uh, some of their lesser known players and Nascoli. I actually I've seen him kind of progress. He was the same age as uh, my younger brother, and they played each other in underage games on the way up. And I've seen him. Um, playing. It's interesting his style of play, his style of football, and the way they talk about um, you know this Dublin stereotypical player and what you said, Clara, about. Uh, Modern day football is uh, they're kind of stereotyped and uh, painted as you know just being able to run and hand pass and it's something that it's I when I see the fellas that are coming through from um with these Do- on the Dolan team I don't know if they're actually that outstanding but they seem to fit very well into the system that's uh, that's there whereas other fellas that would have been on that O'Byrne Cup might have individually might have been that little bit better than Scotty. For instance, someone like McHugh or someone like that. But they just mm-hmm. don't fit into that into that setup like like someone like Nile Scotty does. Where is the challenge then for Jim Gavin in going forward trying to kind of maintain that hunger if he is looking for new cogs in the system? I, I I think it's 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 an easy job, a relatively easy job for for, really? for Jim. Really, uh, I I think I think so. I, th- I think look at, um, Jim uh, at the end of the day is is obviously, um, yes, uh, obviously he he's the, the the main man in terms of of selection, and and he will be obviously the figurehead when it when it comes to that that team selection come obviously the the championship, and we're talking about the kind of business end of the season, but, um. To, to have those riches, I suppose, at, at your disposal as well, you know, to have that, I suppose, massive player base, you know, must be just a, a you know, it's, it's nearly an embarrassment of riches in terms of, you know, and, and I've said this for a while as well, Cahill, you might, you might back me up here. Mm. Um, at some stage, 
it's it's possibly happening in Meath at the minute. I know Meath have, um, and you, you can chat me a bit more about this as well, Pierce. Meath have um, taken a few uh, Dublin players that that are um, that were involved with Mr. McIntyre in, in his time with Ballyboden, and uh, he has now. Um, kind of infiltrated them into the the Mies setup, and to be honest, I, I think that will be the case, and, and somebody will will go in and get these lads maybe a job in another county, get the boss, bring them down, lift them, collect them, lay them, um, get them training where, wherever it may be, and, and I think uh, that's the only kind of way that that you know somebody might take some of those riches away from. Mr. Gavin down the line, obviously, if he's if he's still there over the next number of years, but for for him to have that kind of selection problem must must be an absolute dream and, and joy. Um, you know, you know, it it's for them to obviously be away. You know, on a you could call it a training holiday, training camp, or maybe end of season kind of trip from last year, and for them to kind of come back. And I'm not going to say say they're, they're going to waltz back into the side, you know, for the the more well known names, but. There's no doubt that those lads were obviously out training, doing some bits, and obviously keeping themselves ticking over. Um, you know, it wasn't a case of them going away. And and I suppose the days of yesteryear, if you were lucky to get away on a, on a team holiday and, and maybe drinking the face of yourself maybe for a week or two and and, and laying up <laughs> or three, and, and, or three. If you, well, we never got that luxury. We were lucky to get a week. We were lucky to get, get them and done for a week. But anyway. Um, <laughs> But but you know you know the modern player has changed and and, and obviously when, when those lads are away yes they would have you know enjoyed their their time off but again you know you know look at they would have been mad keen to get back and especially you know with with a lot of lads coming through and and I suppose that that O'Byrne Cup might have actually put a few a few of the lads maybe in on. Well, I suppose it would have given them a kick up the backside and said, "Look, at you know, we can be replaced here and we need to really get back and and uh, get back to business here." I'd agree. I I completely agree with you, Ryan, in the sense in the sense of it being a much easier job than the most county managers have. Um, in 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 the sense that you know you take Jim Gavin probably uh, the four that I mentioned, Jim Gavin and Mickey Hart and Eamon Fitzmorris and um, yeah. Stephen Roachford, and and their job is is primarily to motivate the players to win in All Ireland, and and for the other twenty eight counties, the manager's job is to motivate the players to play for their county. And and that's a, that's a harder thing to do because if if the lure of success or the the prize isn't necessarily staring you in the face the way it is for those four, then then it's a much much harder job to to convince lads to to commit the the amount of time that you'd want them to commit in order to compete. Um, and and like players are proud. There there's nothing that drives a man like, like self pride, and nobody wants to go out and may and be hammered. Um, in the championship or June, and so players drive themselves to to compete the best they can, and and when they commit to play inter county football, they sort of they commit to do that. But but for but for those top counties, I mean they're already starting from a block ahead of that. Um, they have so many. Like you look at Tyrone, and I mean if if such and such walked away from the panel, there'd be another twenty five lined up in the morning to replace them. Um, I actually heard a tale. Recently, of of Tyrone um, players that had been cut from the panel a couple of years ago, still turned up to Garvahi to watch the training. Uh, you know, no, and, no. and I and I just think you, you know when you have a when you have a, that that comes from success. That mentality comes from success and makes people want to play. And when you have that, you 
you know, half the battle's done for you. I suppose you can't take the credit from Mickey Hart of of that bunch of four because Mickey Hart was the man that sort of created that within Tyrone with the success that he had with that team. So yeah, you have to you have to give him immense credit for for sort of creating that legacy almost himself, if you like. But um, but for for Jim Gavin, he took on an Ireland one team. There's no doubt he did a good job um, to to get another couple of balls in front of them. But it's it's I would much rather be be managing Dublin than managing Carlo. But that's yeah. It kind of presents its different challenges, though. Like I like I I guess I get what you're saying in terms of the the, the current thought of the Dublin team. It's it's almost like managing. This probably could be the Dublin fan of me, but it's almost like managing Barcelona between 2008 2012. It's that whole uh, of just kind of, like you said, motivating, facilitating their aims to win in All Ireland. But there still is, there has to be hunger issues there, no matter how many players come true. Like we saw it in, was it two years when Kerry beat Donegal in the All Ireland? Um, like Dublin did two in a row. I have done two in a row, and going forward, they they probably are favourites to do three in a row. But it's almost, uh, I think, no matter how good a team can be, men- mentally, like we we saw Tipperary last year, like teams like Clare and other teams like that in Galway, really challenged the status quo within their own provinces, and then going to go on and kick on and challenge things uh, outside the outside uh, of their provinces, and to do that. I think there has to be a level of competitiveness outside um, the top four. But the culture you mentioned, and I'd be eager to get your point on this, Ryan, with someone who's kind of playing at the moment. Like, uh, what do you see as, are you someone who's um, with Ramana? What, what, uh, Careful now. <laughs> as someone, what do you see as, the solution. What would you see as the way forward for a football team to try and get from tier two to tier one? Look at it at, at the moment. Um, I, I still think in the modern the modern era that that money has a massive a massive burn on on where things are at. You, you talked about obviously the, those other sides. You know, you can go back. I suppose I. I Kind of would look at the the Derrys and the, the Donegals of of I suppose the the late nineties and the Armas early two thousands you, you know those sides and we're we're talking you know about you know very gifted and talented talented sides that would have come through how was that maybe not sustained then for you know you know years upon years you know and a lot of it would come back to it it would come back to money you know I, I would say a lot of county boards. Or drain during those successful eras just to kind of sustain that senior setup and that senior side, keep them together and have a real, real push with that side. Whereas, you know, when you're looking at the capital, you're looking at Dublin. Um, and again, with no disrespect here, Pierce, there is massive working on um, at club level, you know, structures, developments, you know, clubs. Clubs in Dublin are, are practically, you know, as well set up as maybe our own county side at the minute. And, and you know, for, for obviously then, that, that obviously will bear fr- fruit. And I think we've had this on a previous podcast as well. And we talked about things when, when 
when when the rest of those kind of great Leinster kind of sides were were Westmeads and and your leashes were all kind of sharing out um, the the kind of I suppose the Leinster title over a number of years and it was a bit tit for tat. Dublin, you know, were, were at that stage in the process of, of building and, and you know, sorting their youth out. And I think it was Ross Munley had actually commented on that as well, that, you know, while we were basking in glory, they were doing the, the work at ground level. And and I think once you invest in that kind of ground level um, approach and ensure that the right structures are a place, in place from all the clubs and they're all buying in, in, into the obviously the bigger picture. Well, once that happens, you know, it, it is a sustainable, you could say, project. But but again, look, look it's a, a sustainable project that, that costs quite a bit of, of money. And, and again, I suppose I, I didn't know how, I suppose, well... Um, I, I didn't know how kind of in depth and how, how kind of how much work was going on until I suppose I, I had started doing it a little bit down in, in Mead myself, and I, I'm doing a, like a games promotion bit of work with the club down there, and apparently I'm I'm the first. I might only be one or two in in Mead, but there were 32 um, basically equivalents of myself in clubs in, in Dublin and, and for for that alone and, and that's not counting probably you know additional maybe strength and conditioning um, workers that could be nutritionists as, as well and, and again I don't know this Pierce you might be able to shed a bit of light on this as well like there, there has been massive amount of work done but but that also you know accounts for a, a lot of money and it's that massive look at the massive sponsorship deals let's, let's not kid ourselves here or are pushing the whole thing on. Um, how can other counties benefit from it? Well, I suppose that, that goes back to the GAA and the GAA stepping in. But again, look look at it. It's, it's not to say that um, in sport, which we which we've known throughout throughout the, the years as well. You know, yes, they might have to put so much you know above the table, but it's not to say you know down the line money can't be exchanged in a brown envelope under under the table. And and that's not a story story you you would want obviously to. to kind of print either but but look at you know you know i'm sure that they'll push the boundaries and continue to push the boundaries and i think i think you know when you have that money and you have that sustainability and to 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 do that with the clubs and with the whole structure and development it's a massive massive plus of course and i think the other point though that has to um to be made and i think you, you touched on it there with well, what you said, obviously you're doing work in, in Meads, but uh, and what Ross Monday said as well is that in Dublin, after maybe around 2004 onwards, yeah, um, there was a huge amount of work done by club coaches, and I, uh, I was yeah. involved with the club back home as well. And but but the one thing, just from, I know I know you're saying I know you're saying Ryan and Carrie you might you might from an outside perspective you might have some um, perspective from up north from when your club as well. But the one thing that I've noticed when you go outside Dublin in certain counties is that there's almost, and I don't mean any disrespect to any county whatsoever, but it's almost said like defeatism, that there's no, there's no county kind of trying to topple Dublin. If I give you the, the analogy over in England in the Premier League, I know there's money involved with it, and you, what you said is there's a pro, there's an awful lot of truth to it in terms of money, kind of it being the uh, influence in, in behind Dublin success. But the other counties do have certain benefactors that they could tap into, 
and maybe not like the, the likes of Carlo or whatever, but there just seems to be a level of the only team that I can probably say in the last two to three years that has kind of had Dublin in their sights and put a target on their back is probably Mayo. And yeah. Yeah. again, when you look at what they've done, you know, they've been in the news in certain kind of getting rid of managers and whatever, and we'll touch on them next. But I don't know, I don't know if there's that many counties that have the confidence, if that's the right word, to kind of get look, stand up and say, right, what what are we going to do about it to try and get Westmead back on our feet, to try and get Tipperary or whatever back on our feet? Because it can't be done. Right, I I think Ryan's exactly right. Um, so so much of it comes comes down to finances, and it's I suppose it's easy. It's a bit easier to say when you're able to finance it, um, and you're looking then and saying why why do other counties not not do this? But you, I mean, you look at Dublin's deal with Subaru there recently, and it's it's, yeah. it's the latest <laughs> in a in a long long line of of sponsorship deals, and like. I mean, you're looking at at. I mean, I look at the the sponsor of of Derry. Are you look at the sponsorship on Derry and for managers? He's yeah. and 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 they're the best in the world. You know, the the men that are sponsoring the the county teams are 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 doing it for absolutely the right reasons. Like I, I know the last couple of sponsors of the Derry between Specialist Joinery and John Bosco Hagen, and and now it's um, H and A. It's you and Anne McWilliams from from Ball on the Screen, and you know. I say doing it for absolutely the right reasons because in terms of actually getting business back from it, there's very little from them, um, mm-hmm. f- f- in it for them, and and they're ploughing their own money into it. But but the sums of money that they'd be able to put forward and the sums of money that a county like Derry or Fermanagh could ask from a sponsor is nowhere near what what Dublin can command. And I mean, there's just there's very very little. That can be done about that. It's a, it's a vicious circle, you know. Until until Derry start winning all Ireland's, it's very hard to see AAG in the front of a Derry jersey. Until they're getting that exposure, and until Derry's getting the money that would come from AAG, well then, how do they win all Ireland's? You know, it's, it's, I get you. It's I know. I understand. Very, very I understand. But uh, I suppose my point is, like there still is when we're talking about counties like Derry and Fermanagh, and understand that Dublin have a an advantage in financial market and there's that circle there. But there still is counties like Tipperary, for instance, who I don't, I don't know the financial situation down there. Well, they were, yeah, they, were they were in a lot of debt. For, they were in a lot of debt for a couple of years. And they actually, I, I think I noticed they spent 1.4 million on their, on their county teams last year. Like 1.4 million. That's, that's quite money. a, that's <laughs> quite a considerable sum of money, you right. know, and that won them in all Ireland in Harland. And and I got them to an All Ireland semi final in football, but it's a massive sum of money that, you you know, you had county boards for years that were, that were putting themselves into financial difficulty, yeah. um, by by overspending and in, in sort of pursuit of of what in some cases was an unrealistic target, um, and I mean, the the way the way it was going and and maybe the way it is going, I mean, you're maybe not too far off seeing. I don't know if the GA would allow it to happen, but I kind of a lead scenario um, where, you know, where Leeds overspent trying to compete in Europe and yeah. and ended up in in a in a hell of a yeah. mess and and yeah. all of that and you know that's the kind of scenario you're looking for for a county now. Maybe Croke Park would come in and bail them out, but they'd probably be bailing them out saying, right, you're you're not allowed to spend like that again. 
you know, uh, spend within your limits. And and uh, one county's limits are, you know, the reality is that the limits of of probably 24 or 25 of the counties in Ireland are quite similar. And the, and the limits of, of the elite, if you like, are, are quite yeah. different. But then is the answer something like maybe a cap where GAA says to every county board, you're getting so much in grants in whatever in sponsorship, but you're only allowed to spend X amount each year. But then you're on the brown envelope territory, well, 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 that's that's it. But I, I think you know they they have to look at some type of uh, the GA hate this, but look at other kind of sports that works, um, and it would be a case of them maybe taking control of that kind of sponsorship package per se. That that you know they take leadership in, in, in what comes in, and obviously they take leadership in what is just distributed out through the other counties and. Um, for example, I suppose you can you can look at maybe the likes of the UFC, who obviously pulled all all their their stars from having that kind of individual sponsorship, um, and obviously you you know they have this multi million billion dollar deal with the likes of Reebok and and other kind of companies, but then it's up to them to distribute the money and where it goes. I think that's a, a probably a fair process. Um, yes, obviously the the. The, the, the kind of team sponsorships, I don't know how they would address that. And, and obviously, you know, like for a player the likes of, you know, Patsy Tracy, who, who has been our sponsor since bloody, as far as I can remember, even playing county football, which might have been about five or six years ago or maybe a few <laughs> more. But, but um, no, no, it's, it's and it has it has massive, massive knock on effects, you know, re- recently, even through the, the GPA as well, you know, that small nutritional um money that that has now been introduced you know it is only small but that that is massive and and i know there has been kind of talk that you know the dublin players were getting their their food all all week kind of catered for or sorted whatever the case may be but you, you know i've i've personally noticed that that's been a brilliant addition to to things you're, you're buying anyway you know during a, a playing season and it adds to that you know extra bit of nourishment that you need for recovery especially when when you do get that bit older but but you know all that stuff is is vitally important and and, and you know it's it's something that yes it, it needs to be addressed in the top table and we can go into to various other um i suppose discussions as well the, the fixture crisis that that the cpa are trying to address as well now but it's it's nearly a case of and, and I'm sure definitely, Cahar, I'm sure you're you're probably sick to the bone right, writing about these topics as well. <laughs> it's just a, a case of, can somebody please, with common sense, sit down and just have a look at the bigger picture and where the game is going. You know, even in terms of the, the whole Sky thing, people giving off about the Sky thing. How, how can it be bad whenever our games are being promoted in, in you, know, you know, countries that, that may, might never have seen the game, you know, and have access to it? You know, it's it's some ridiculous things, and 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 how could people complain whenever you know you know these you know these platforms are now being provided for everyone to see our games, and obviously the GA are making a lot of money from it as well. So it's about I suppose spreading the love, but you know from from a from a player's you know perspective, and you, you maybe I didn't answer this, and kind of went off the beaten track as well. And look at every day you're, you're consci- consciously getting up. Maybe other players look at look at the Dublin tops and and want to to see these and, and aspire to them and and to to be honest it's it's never 
never ever been 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 something that's bothered me or annoyed me. I know we played them a couple of seasons ago, um, it, it it hasn't been um, what I look at like any other. I suppose county. What I'd love to do is is obviously break that that I suppose um, great streak that they're on at the minute and and be part of a side that that's. You know, was remembered to do that, but not just do that. To be honest, and it's not about beating Dublin. It's it's about for ourselves getting our, our hands on some silverware, and that's why you know we even talked about the McKenna Cup, and we we, we would have loved to to won that, and, and obviously now we, we're our eyes are, are kind of fixed on on Division Two and and trying to get promotion at the moment. But um, listen, you know the the perks, and again from a playing perspective, you're not saying that. You know, you don't want the players to to reap the rewards because yes, you know they train and work as hard as I'm sure any other county county side. But you you would like it to be a bit more even, and that's I suppose the, the main point that we're we're trying to say. That's well, a fair fair point, and I think most, if not everyone, that's uh, involved in the GA would uh, echo those sentiments. But I think just to go back on one or two points you made there. I think the problem with an awful lot of it is, and the, the problem with the, the grassroots is, when it comes to fixture crisis and when it comes to, to money and when it comes to things like that, there's there's a lack of confidence, I, I believe anyway, from in the top brass in how they execute these plans. And I think that has a, that has a knock-on effect. Yeah. You know, in terms of money going places or whatever or, in terms of attendances, in terms of whatever, in terms of fixture crisis, there's a tendency to just kind of put the two fingers in their ears and say, no, we know what we're doing. And that can kind of, I think, in my opinion, piss off the, the, the overall population. And again, when it comes to Dublin, maybe that's the issue as well, is that they won't address the white elephant in the room, or whether you're a Dublin man, or whether you're wherever from Fermanagh, Derry, or wherever. I think that's probably something that's going to be um, an issue that'll run and run, but the other thing that I wanted to touch on and get and talk about with you guys is, you know, we talked about Dublin for quite a bit there, and but obviously they beat Mayo in the in the All Ireland final last year, and since then they've been kind of on a bit of a roller coaster, uh, drama. Um, news headlines have come out from the camps, and I just what what do we what do we think initially? Uh, and I'm going to rewind the clock here a bit uh, early Christmas. What did we think about the whole fallout between Pat Holmes, Noel Kennelly, the Mayo squad, and the goalkeeping situation and everything like that? <laughs> um, the goalkeeping situation. Only a goalkeeper can answer that, so I'll leave that one with uh, you, Carr. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was an awfully strange... Actually, when we landed the Croke Park that day, um, I had missed... Uh, I had missed the, the drawn All Ireland final um in her brother's wedding um that day. And uh <laughs> a lot of weddings in our house as well. But um <laughs> I I must I'm I'm landed down people a few people had been saying that that Henley had actually warmed up I think it's common knowledge that Henley had warmed up toward the drawing. Yeah. It was very close. He if if they had taken to to David Clark's and that was a, a decision that they were I mean I don't know why they didn't make the decision earlier in the year and by the stage I mean Clark made a couple of good saves early on the run final and 
transpired that it was the case and before Neil Clark was by far and away the, the all-star goalkeeper and I just thought uh, uh, I mean that was that was uh, it was crazy I suppose it's been well well done by now but um, it, it just summed uh, it just was such a, a sore a sore point for him you know and all I just felt so sorry for David Clark you know he, he won the all-star in the end and He's only he's going to be remembered as the man who was dropped for an All Ireland final, and no matter no matter what he does now, the rest of his career, just it was it was an, a random a random decision as ever as ever you would see in an All Ireland final. But fast forward though, we would that's uh, that's been that, that I suppose is a fair point. But fast forward to the fallout from the interview that the, the two ex managers did. What did we make of the situation or the insinuation that um, players had influences previously had influenced the selection of the goalkeeper? I I, th- I thought the whole thing was I'm, I'm gonna go a bit Roy Keane here um, just the, the whole fallout, the leaked information that came out. You know, to be honest, as a as a player, if if you know that happened in in a change room and, and that became knowledge to the media, just just a number of things, um, and obviously the players' response and, uh, as well. I, I just think some things are, are, you know, left in the change room as well, and stuff like that does not need to go anywhere. I think it has a detrimental effect on, you, you know, a, a squad of players as well. You know, I, I think it, it doesn't help a squad. It doesn't help a squad in, in any situation, in any part of the season, whenever it comes out, and and you know, it it, it could be. It could be detrimental to them to that Mayo kind of current squad that have been knocking on the door over the last number of years. So, um, it it was a, a strange uh, and again, Cara said it. The whole thing was was odd. Um, I found the All Star then nomination um, of of uh, Clark then a, a bit kind of it just it was it was kind of perplexing the whole situation. Um, and I just I, I can never I can never understand still why. Why you you know the the management the ex management come out and give their story, um obviously yes, and maybe they're thinking about about their their own maybe managerial kind of future and what they're doing. So you you can understand. Don't get me wrong as well sides of it, but I just think some things are better left. Just you know, it's it's done. You move on and you you try and get on with things. Could it be a case that this whole scenario with the the follow from the interview could bring them together a little bit stronger? Tricky. It's tricky with some of the things that were said. Um, it's tricky to see that from the outside, anyway. Um, how that, how that could I th- happen. I think some, of, some, some of the allegations. So, sorry, Cara. I think maybe, maybe you'll give your give your opinion. I, th- I think what it has done, it has completely shifted the complete emphasis now and, and onus is on the players. So you know there there can be no more finger jousting to anybody else. It's it's a case of you know this has been highlighted. And if that, you know, if certain things were the case, then then players need to now more than ever really step up and say, right, you know, if if, if we're going to have, you know, we're going to reach, you know, you know the the milestone, and we want to get to this All Ireland final, then, you know, we can't point any more fingers because ultimately 
the buck will come back, you know, to us. And, and you know, a number of managers might turn around and, and come out with something similar. And, and then, obviously, the, the finger game and the finger-pointing game kind of starts. So it, it gives a big big onus on the players. And we, we'll obviously know this season how, how that kind of materialises. But um, my boy I just thought is... I just thought it was strange. Sorry. Sir, no, no, go, go ahead, Karen. I, I I just thought there there was parts of it as well. I mean, but the the bit that sort of stands out to me is um is a bit about the mass overrunning and and the players then being late for the pre-match meal and 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 in their interview, uh, Conley and Holmes made such an issue about somebody having made an issue of this or players having made an issue of this, and I just thought to myself, you know, for players that is an issue. You know, it, it is. I mean, this this is an issue. This is an issue on on, on the Sunday absolutely. mornings. It is. It is. No, it you're is trying to eat right, right before a game. Right, eat at the right time. I mean, and I, 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 I know even from your level, like Jesus, if, if you eat at the right time, you feel in your warm up, you're like, frig, I should have ate fifteen minutes earlier. And <laughs> and, and and I mean, that's far from elite where I'm playing, you know. So, I I I just thought that the the react that was sort of. You know, was a wee bit surprising because people seem to side. I saw with them and that, and, and thinking, you know, why was this such a big issue? But I think a lot of it came down to maybe people not understanding the maybe the mind of the modern player, and maybe some people look at that and say, "Oh, geez, they're soft. They, they can't deal with a fifteen minute delay with their dinner." But uh, you know, <laughs> when when you're trying, uh, and it goes back to the thing, and it goes back to all that. You know, when you're trying to compete with these. Teams that are just so uber professional and and so slick and streamlined and everything that they do from from their nutrition and warm up and everything and and you're competing with that and you're being thrown off. It's even it's even the mental side of that. You know, going into that game and there's no. I mean, we we played a county final this year and we were sort of forced to to um, to go and do our warm-up because there's no warm-up area in Celtic Park and we weren't allowed on the pitch so we had to go to a club ground away from Celtic Park and I mean I don't know about other players but it really threw me off and you know that day because it's not part of your normal routine you were warming up earlier than you used to you had a longer gap between your warm-up and the start of the match and those things those things matter you know and and I just thought that you know the I think the players were well within the rights to be annoyed at at their at their food being late is there though, like, for the for the team like Mayo going forward, you know, they they didn't have a great start against Monaghan, so and Pat Spillane talking about you know writing them <laughs> off very early, you know, shock horror, <laughs> yeah, pundits go for the sensationalism uh, claims. But anyway, what are the biggest challenges then for a team like Mayo for twenty seventeen, considering last year's defeat and the manner of the, the replay defeat? Considering the article in the winter time, and considering then selection choices, should fellas be there or not, and the confidence, what are um, the the biggest issues uh, facing them? Well, hey, Car, I'll let you work away with that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I have to say that like, people look at me and think, you know, the the, the they've come close. So many times, and they, and I mean, I know Joe Brawley's sort of been unspoken about their their weakness of their character and all the Well, I I kind of come up from the other side. I think the fact that the, the, they've they've kept coming back, and so the the same squad of players have been so close over four or five different years, and 
and they keep coming back and getting that wee bit closer again. I, I think it's actually a, a testament to their character in some ways. Um, that 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 it's nearly popular to knock Mayo and say, uh, you know, they'll ne- they, they can't want it. They'll never want it because they just. And and I I don't see it that way. And and I think you're you're at the stage where, yeah, I don't I don't know your character anymore. I don't know if you can doubt that even after everything they went through last year that, that they won't come back and do it again. Um, because they have sort of previous in doing that and, and losing all Ireland finals and losing them horribly and losing semi-finals horribly and then coming back and having another good year season. Um, so, so from from the, the side that you know from the side of last year's defeat effect. Challenges the is the morale and sort of piecing back together the the squad after the the Holmes Connolly stuff and. You know, it was fairly fairly obvious um, which players they were they were taking aim at in their in their interview and and for the rest then they sort of placed their trust back in those boys. Um, you know, when things get tough, it's easy. I suppose it's a bad start to the league's maybe not the best thing for Mayo at the minute. Um, if if they got a few ones together and they got a bit of momentum, it's easier to sort of ignore those things if you like and to piece them back together when you're winning. Um, it can be a very fractious thing when you're losing. Um, can pull you pull you apart altogether. Um, and that that is the, that, the big challenge is, is not letting it pull them apart. Um, and I suppose we'll only know from the outside come come August or September whether it's whether it's pulled them apart or not. But it's very it's, it's an awful awfully hard because I thought Stephen Roachford. He had a tricky start, but I mean I remember how how good the Cora Fund team that he had. Um, was when they won the All Ireland club, and I was expecting big things of him, and yeah. he sort of he, he did get there. Oh, the the call and the the call on the goalkeeper and the replay, whatever. But uh, I thought some of his his tactical decisions over the year were actually were were brilliant. Um, and you know I, I feel I just feel a bit sorry for him because it's not a it's not a situation of his making. Um, but it's it's he he's the man has to now try and deal with it and put it back together when he's a squad of players that uh, can still potentially win in all Ireland, but but might be prevented by one and all from winning in all Ireland by by sort of the words of others. I I think the the words of others will will again you said about driving that side on. Um, I think it'll be an easier job possibly for for Roach and his backroom team this year because. He kind of probably emphasises. I think if I was in in his position, I would kind of emphasise to the lads, look at this is what has happened, and you know, I suppose it is what it is now. We have to move on. But you know, the player, I suppose, yeah, that kind of player push has now been, as I said, kind of projected into a bit more kind of light now. So so I I think it, you know, he steps back a bit more in that situation and just says, look at lads, you know, you've you've said. This is where you want to be, and this is what you want to do. So it's it's about time you you know you kind of stepped up and 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 done it. We're investing in you here, and and you know it's up to you to deliver at this stage. Well, I think we'll leave it there now for the first podcast of the year. Thanks very much, Ryan and Cara, for joining me. Oh, holy Moses! I tell you what they've achieved. They've achieved something absolutely rotten. And uh, Kieran McGinley as a player was. A phenomenal player, and he didn't cry and he didn't whinge, you know. Our mission was to show that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster.
But I'll tell you what, you can forget about Sean Kavanagh as far as he's a man. Remember that tribe in, in, in Iraq, the Shiite tribe? Well, we've watched Shiite football. People think I'm a bit of a, a lunatic, loose cannon, whatever you'd like to uh, say. Shame us! Come on! Move! Move! Taking off my ring now, I walk on through the door, and every little lady shaking on the dance floor, laughing to my friends, loosen up my tie, I'm a getting old and casting over one thing. 